See what kind of love the Father has given to us? That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and that we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order, and this is important, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin, and no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. The practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. You're having some trouble on that last line there. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Let's pray together. Father, we give you praise and we give you thanks today again for your love and for your grace and for your mercy that you have exhibited so generously, so extravagantly in, through, and as Jesus Christ. And again, we're so grateful for the ministry and the work of the Spirit that takes what you have accomplished and afforded in Jesus and makes it possible, available, and applicable in our lives. So, Father, we ask this morning again for the help and the aid and the guidance of the Holy Spirit that you would give us a voice to speak, ears to hear, minds to comprehend, and hearts to understand, and particularly the empowerment to go out into our world, into our families, our workplaces, the place where we get our schooling, our education, where we find our services, and where we recreate, Father, that we may live out what it means to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would set a hedge of protection around us and those that are watching online, and Lord, that you would cover us in the angels of heaven Lord, would just superintend our gathering, we pray in Christ's name and for his name's sake, and all the people of the Lord said, amen. You may be seated. Well, you know that today is the 100th Remembrance Day, and I want us to consider, if we can, I want us to consider another war, another conflict, an enemy greater than the Nazis, and a victory greater than the allies, I want us to consider a spiritual conflict and a spiritual victory. I want us to consider three forces, three forces that are at work in us, that are at work in the world. And the first one is what I call the outer forces. Now, John says, in another place, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, he says, Do not love the world 
or the things of the world. And if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him or her. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Now, the English Standard Version, the ESV that we use normally in, for service, uses the word desires. Other translations use the word lust. Now, desire is something that is very natural to all of us. The desire to eat, the desire to sleep, the desire to work, to play, the desire to build, to procreate, to achieve, etc., etc. These are all very healthy desires. But healthy desires, when it becomes out of bounds and out of balance, metabolizes into lust. And when, our, when, health, when good things and healthy desires metabolize into lust, they become hyper-desires or they become hyper-lusts. Now, Jesus said in the parable of the sower in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 22, he referred to these as the cares of life or the deceitfulness of riches that choke the word of God in us, that choke the word of life and the word of truth in us. Now, these are the outer forces that work against us. But there's also what I refer to as the inner forces. Now, we are all familiar with these inner forces. And you will identify with them as we go through. Now, John gives us two reasons why Jesus appeared or why the Son of God appeared. We're having a little problem with our PowerPoint. Are we okay? Here we are. No, that's not what I want. Thank you. Right there. Okay. Excellent. Now, so John gives us two reasons why the Son of God appeared. The first reason is this, to take away sins. In verse 5 it says these words, You know that he appeared to take away sins in whom there is no sin. Now these are also the same two things that John is not reluctant to talk about. John is not reluctant to talk about sin. Sin. In verse 6 he says, No one who abides in him, in Jesus, keeps on sinning, and no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. John tells us that if we are really and truly God's people, if we are disciples of Jesus Christ, that we do not deliberately choose to continue to sin. That's what he says. But, but in spite of John's bold assertion, you and I, we know only too well that we do sin. 
and that it is more problematic in our lives than we really want to admit. Sin is a problem. I like the way Paul says it in Romans 7. Paul says in Romans 7, he says, for I do not understand my own actions. Me neither, Paul. For I do not do what I want, but what I do, or rather, but I do the very thing I hate. Anybody identify with that? Yes. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Did you follow that? Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And then he says this, wretched man or woman that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then the answer comes back, thanks be to God, that he did it through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, John describes sin as lawlessness. Now, sin is a disregard for God's commands. Before we were Christians, we really didn't have much of a reason to actually concern ourselves with God's commands or Jesus' commands or the law. But John says, as Christians, we can never afford to be at peace with sin. That we are engaged in a warfare with these inner forces, this sin, and therefore we can never afford to get comfortable with our sin. That we can never, you and I, can never have a casual relationship with sin. Peter says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, these inner forces, which wage war against your soul. And then John says in verse 8, he says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Now, how do you like those words? Verse 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Now, I wouldn't recommend that you say that to people on a regular basis. But John, he, he's not reluctant. And I think we can all admit that that's a very strong statement. That everyone who makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Because sin, at its core, is evil. And the devil is the author of sin. All sinful action reflect the character of Satan. Now that brings us 
to the second thing that John is not reluctant to talk about. The first one is sin. But the second thing that John is not reluctant to talk about is the devil, Satan. And he tells us that this is also the second reason why the Son of God, why Jesus appeared, was to destroy the works of the devil. So John is not reluctant to talk about sin, and John is not reluctant to talk about Satan, the devil. And that brings us then to our third force that is work that is at work in us sometimes and is at work in our world what we'll refer to this morning as the invisible forces now the bible teaches that there is an order of intelligence higher than us as human beings they are called spirits to specify their nature. They are called angels to designate their mission and their purpose. And the fallen angels are referred to as demons to understand their current state. Karl Barth described the topic of angels as the most remarkable and difficult of all. And the reason is that there are many references to angels in the Bible, but they are such that they are not really that helpful in giving us an understanding of an angel's life, of an angel's existence. Excuse me. Now John tells us that the once greatest angel of all, the devil, has been sinning from the beginning. Now I am going to throw a lot of biblical text at us over the next couple of moments. And I've given them to you in your notes, and if you don't have the hard copy in front of you, you can go on the website and you can find them there. Now, what we know about the devil and about Satan, or what we think we know, is first found in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 28, and I'm going to read this long text to you, and this is what it says. You were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle, and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless 
in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst, and you sinned. So I cast you as a profound thing from the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. <clears throat> Excuse me. By the multitude of your iniquities, in the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. So I brought fire out from your midst. It consumed you and turned you to ashes on the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All you know, all who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You shall come to a dreadful end and shall be no more forever. Now, the question is, in Ezekiel, is this talking about a human king, a physical king, or is this talking about an angel? Now, here's my best explanation. Ezekiel 28 is a funeral dirge for the king of Tyre. Now, the king of Tyre is a literal, historical king who lived in the time of the prophet Ezekiel. But in Ezekiel 28, as we'll see in a moment in Isaiah chapter 14, there is a double entendre. There is a double meaning that is in play. And this is also talking about Satan, now the person we refer to as the devil or Lucifer. Now, if it is not talking about Satan, if it is not talking about the devil, then the language is really hard to make sense of. For example, it says, <coughs> excuse me, you were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you, you were, in, uh, you were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire, you walked. Now, to interpret this as either the devil or the king of Tyre, to be honest, is problematic. However, it is possible that Satan is here referred to as the cherub or the prince of Tyre. Now, to say that is to imply that there are such things as territorial spirits. Now, what we mean by that is this, that there are angels and there are demons who are assigned to geographical locations, to countries or to nations, but also possibly to cities and other small regions and areas. Now, Daniel chapter 10 Verses 12 to 13 implies this reality. Gabriel is talking to Daniel, and Daniel has been praying for 21 days. Listen to the language. 
And then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, he was fasting and praying, and humbled yourselves before your God, <clears throat> your words have been heard, and I have come because of your word. I have responded to your prayer. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. It talks about the activity in the spiritual realm. But Michael, an angel, one of the chief princes came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. Now Paul picks this up for us in the New Testament. And many of us will recognize these words from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, where it says, For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Verses 3 and 4, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to demolish or to destroy strongholds. Now, let me back you, bring you back to Ezekiel for a moment, and Ezekiel gives us a description of this once magnificent being, this angel. Now, I've told you this before, that the devil is often charactered as somebody who wears red tights, has horns, and carries a pitchfork. Right? I can guarantee you that he is anything but that. And there is nowhere really in Scripture to tell us even that Satan and his demons are reptilian-like or if they are ugly or monstrous. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. It is something that we have projected onto the Scriptures. Read Ezekiel again and we will see a most magnificent-looking angel, creature, being. And why else would the devil be able to do what Paul says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light because he used to be an angel of light. And Ezekiel doesn't just describe any angel. Ezekiel is describing probably what is or was the highest ranking angel or at least one of the highest ranking angels and at one time was probably more powerful than Gabriel or Michael. Matter of fact, some people believe, some people believe and teach that Satan or Lucifer, and by the way, the name Lucifer is a name that we associate with negativity and evil, but Lucifer was a name that was as beautiful in its day as is Michael and Gabriel. But there are some to say that Satan, Lucifer now, was the chief musician in heaven. He was heaven's choir leader. He was heaven's worship leader. He was heaven's music director. And because of his fall, 
Get this now, because of his fall, angels no longer sing. Have you ever noticed in the Bible that there is no text in the Bible that ever says that angels sing? I know we have them singing at Christmas, but it doesn't say that. It says, and the angels said, or the angels appeared saying. It doesn't say singing. And this is why. Now, the other two texts that help us speak of this is particularly devoted to the rebellion and the war in heaven. Revelation chapter 12 gives us the text. It says, now war arose in heaven, and Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. Maybe this is where we get the reptilian thing about Satan. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, and he was thrown down to the earth, and the angels were thrown down with him. And then we come to Isaiah chapter 14, which helps us fill in some of the background. Now again, for the sake of the integrity of the Bible, that when Isaiah talks about what we're going to read in just a moment, he is referring to the king of Babylon, a literal, physical, historical king that lived in Daniel's time. But it also is referring, double entendre, double speaking, talking about Satan. How you have fallen from heaven, O day star, O son of the dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you will be brought down to Sheol, to the pit, to the far reaches of the pit. And those who see you will stare at you and will ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities, who did not let his prisoners go home? Again, if we read the text closely, it is evident that it is talking about something and someone more powerful than just a person, a human being. Now, in the authorized version, in the King James Version of the Bible, uh, O Star of the um, Son of the Dawn and O Star of the Morning is actually translated Lucifer. And that's where we get the name. But if you'll notice the five I wills of Satan, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the assembly of the I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. It was pride. 
It was pride that brought Satan down. And Jesus says in Luke's gospel chapter 10, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning, like light from heaven. And this is still Satan's agenda. And this is where the real conflict lies. You and I, me and you, us, we're just pawns. We're just pawns. Now, don't get me wrong. Satan hates our guts. Satan hates you, and Satan hates me. And Satan will do anything he can in all of his power to turn us away from serving, worshiping, or giving glory to God. And even those who are still in his grasp, who he has control of, who do not serve and worship and glorify God, he will do everything in his power to make sure that they never, ever will. Be no mistake about it. Satan hates us. But he hates God more. And John says, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Pride, arrogance, rebellion, power, etc., etc., etc. And the war in heaven saw the music director, the worship leader, trying to usurp God. Now listen to me. Satan is still a powerful being even to this day. But, and this is a big but, Satan is a powerful being even to this day, but, huge but, John tells us that the Son of God appeared to take away sins and that he appeared to destroy the works of the devil. And because Jesus Christ appeared to take away sins and to destroy the works of the devil, you and I, we are freed to succeed. The harm done by Satan is undone and is being undone by Jesus. The devil's work in us, in others, in the world is being unraveled and was unraveled by God in, through, and as Jesus Christ. And John says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Sin and the devil. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus appeared to take away sins and to destroy the works of the enemy, the outer forces, the inner forces, and the invisible forces. Sin. 
The world, the flesh, and the devil are the disarmed forces. And Jesus Christ is our living hope. There's a story about the Spanish explorer Cortez in 1519. Arrived in Veracruz, Mexico, with a small force of 700 men in his attempt to conquer Mexico. And this legend goes that Cortez purposely burned the 11 ships that brought them to the Gulf of Mexico. And here are these 700 men watching. Their only means of retreat sink to the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico. And now they only had one direction to move, and that is forward. Jesus appeared to take away sins and to destroy the works of the enemy and to disarm the forces. There is no means of retreat, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. So let's burn the ships and let's move forward. Amen? Stand with me. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word, but we thank you that Jesus Christ appeared. That the Son of God came to destroy sin or to do away with sin and to destroy the works of the devil. Father, may we realize that the world, the flesh, and the devil are the disarmed forces. And we do not have to live in the shadow of them, but in the light of the risen Christ. And in his name, we give praise. And all God's people said, Amen.